I'm Jason from Smoking and Drinking in Space, a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. And I'm Rob from Smoking and Drinking in Capes, a superhero podcast from a couple guys who wish they had powers. And we're part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. And you can find other cool, awesome, geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Here we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven, Chris, and SP. Welcome to episode 404 of the official Gunna Geek show. I'm Steven saying, come on, you know the joke. Chris is also here. I can't be found. <laughs> there we go. There's one. And also SP. I don't know when the last time I've actually tried to go to a website and I've received a 404. Oh, wait, wait, wait. It was a wink. <laughs> oh, I was going to go for a Twitter joke, but that works just as well in my book. Uh, excuse me, an X joke. We got to call it X. Oh, man. Now, I assume none of you guys were Twitter blue subscribers, but I'm sure there's many of folks that are subscribing to what they call X premium now that the, the wife or the husband or your significant other looks at your credit card bill and goes, what the hell is X premium? And you have to be like, uh, I swear it's not porn. It's not porn. Well, <laughs> I mean, it might be porn. It might be. It's, you, it's the you X. You can probably find porn on the X. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can. Yes. But, you know, guys, I'm, I had the long time blue check mark for a while. I, I just decided to let it go. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm let sure other people have the glory. Yeah. I don't need it anymore. Yeah. You know, the thing that makes me laugh now is all these people that wanted to pay to get a blue check mark. Now you can hide the blue check mark. And I'm like, so you want me to pay you eight bucks for the blue check mark that I want to hide then? But <laughs> here's here's the question all to do with with the X situation. How long until the check mark is a blue or a different colored X instead of the check mark? I'm surprised it's not a different X, just not not a check mark in X itself. That's what I'm Why thinking. Is not, oh, maybe I misunderstood you. I apologize. No, that's what I'm wondering. How long until it changes over to an X? Well, I mean, half the stuff on Twitter still says Twitter anyways. And they haven't done a really good job of doing control F find to replace Twitter. with X. <laughs> and let's be honest here. Anyone that's done any kind of development knows that. Hmm, what's a variable everyone likes to use for simple stuff? X. <laughs> but maybe in the code now, instead of them using X during coding, they're actually using the word Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. I can actually see that. I know how we're going to get around this. Twitter everywhere. Well, guys, by the time they get around to changing all this stuff to X, they're going to rebrand to something else anyway. Yeah. I don't know. This is a name he's been wanting to use since he got fired at PayPal. <laughs> I think we're stuck with this one. Well, we'll see what happens. But hey, if you are on the XXX, I mean the X website, please come on over to X. our Discord at gunnageek.com slash Discord. Let us know what your X handle is or if you're not on X. Where else are you hanging out these days? Because we'd love to know what are some of the other alternatives where you if you're not hanging out on X, you, you can't talk about people being on X. <laughs> you can. now. <laughs> we're going to get we're going to put on some blacklist. How can we? It's, I mean, the, the whole social media thing might be Chris, blacklisted. Uh, granted, Chris, you know, some Friday nights I like to go with people and just do some X. X.com slash Stephen John Drew. 
Yeah, but at least you're doing X together. Does that actually work? Versus all the people that do X alone in That's their home. That's true. That's true. Like, I know they redirected X.com to Twitter, basically, but does X.com slash your username direct to your Twitter yes. username? Yes, it oh, does. Oh, okay. Well, at least they did that much. I mean, they ruined all of their brand and years of equity they've got built up and people saying the word tweet and it being everywhere. But oh, hey, it's still tweets. Whatever. Well, yeah. What do you call the posts? I don't know. I don't know if this is actually right or not, so I don't want to say it because the term that I saw thrown around, I was like, oh boy, that's a bad one. That's is that a bad one. No. And you think this show is above saying that term? The term that I saw get thrown around that I don't know if it's official is to call it a skeet. Let's move on. There's songs in which that word is used to describe mm-hmm. other actions. I, very aware. That. Very aware. Mm-hmm. That's why I wasn't 100% sure it was right. But part of me went, you know, based off of the sense of humor being involved here, I could see that actually being something they would go for because it'd be just as funny as saying 42069 to some folks. I can't wait for episode 420 of this show. All right, let's start off with some news here that is not coming from the Mac guru, longtime Mac guru SP. It's some Mac news coming from the Chris Farrell, who is also a Mac guru now these days. I don't know about Mac guru, but I did talk about in this show that it's probably been a little over a year, probably 12 to 16 months ago, I want to say now that I had bought one of the M1 MacBook Airs because I wanted to experiment and play around a little bit. A lot of that based off of the literature and the articles we'd seen about how well optimized the M1 processor was. And spoiler alert, I've kind of turned it into my audio and video editing device because everything runs super fast on there with minimal battery impacts. So I I tend to pay attention a little bit to see, hey, what's going on with the new M whatever processor? And we do have a bunch of devices out there with the M2 processor that were just released in the past few months. But hey, guess what? Apple might be testing now an M3 Mac Mini based off of some developer logs have been uncovered. Uh, Mac Rumors reported this based off of Bloomberg's Mark Gurman's reporting. So from what they've seen right now, Apple may be testing an M3 version of the Mac Mini. On his latest Power On newsletter, Gurman had said Apple is testing a Mac under model identifier Mac 15,12 that includes eight CPU cores consisting of four efficiency cores and four performance cores. 10 graphics processor cores, and 24 gigabytes of RAM. This machine is running macOS Sonoma 14.1, which is the first point update of Apple's forthcoming operating system. Given the similar specifications to the base M2 Mac Mini, barring the 8 gigabyte version, Garmin believes it represents a next generation Mac Mini. Now, why does this kind of surprise people? Because... The M2 Mac Mini just got introduced earlier this year. So we're months away from when the M2 version was announced. But we might be looking, I believe it was January when it came out, we might be looking at the M3 Mac Mini coming soon. Or more realistically, they may just be testing in a Mac Mini chassis and it's more we'll see M3 chips in the MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, and iMac line first. Because... To be honest, most people aren't buying the Mac Minis for their horsepower, despite the fact that the M chip is fairly well optimized, gives you a great deal of power. It's not the power user console, not console, computer. 
I've honestly considered getting one of the M2 ones if I can find it cheap enough to kind of turn it into my new box for streaming and doing all my audio video stuff on. I just haven't done it yet because I'm really lazy to transfer all my stuff out of OBS from my Windows platform to a <laughs> Mac one. And I, I have seen that despite OBS being optimized for the Mac M1, M2, M3 chipset or whatnot, there are still overhead issues that come into play. So I did have some slight concerns of investing in moving over to a new platform and then it not working very well for me. I guess in theory, I could test it on my M1 MacBook Air. My only concern there is it's a MacBook Air, so I'll get thermal throttled after a while. So it'd be good for a test, I guess. But I'm not sure Mm. it'd be a very representative test because the thermal throttling would kick in and with no active fan on the MacBook Air side of the house, I'll get throttled and won't really be able to get a good idea of what the performance looked like for, say, a 90-minute show if I were streaming it on a MacBook Pro or a Mac Mini or something like that that has more horsepower and active cooling. It's not necessarily true. All you need to do is get yourself a huge canister of dry ice there you go. and then pay some you know neighborhood kid just to stand there holding it with the gloves on and every like 30 seconds, just pour a little off camera, just pour a little over it and you'll be fine. I mean, I have gotten thermal throttled on the M1 MacBook Air before. It's generally when it comes to transcoding video, when I'm Mm. doing a video edit on something and want to then make the 1080p version of that video. And I don't do anything fancy. I just use iMovie because it's cheap and free and because it's all part of my experiment. But when it transcodes for an hour or two, you can touch that chassis of the MacBook Air and it's warm. And you can see when it finally goes, oh, I'm too hot. And you see the, the progress bar kind of stop moving and the time indicator go out a little bit further, which is something you would get around or you would delay at least a little bit more with something like a MacBook Pro or a MacBook or excuse me, or an iMac or a Mac Mini that have active cooling. The Mac Mini is great for like going on the road, doing simple office tasks and things like that because it's not having any, doesn't have a fan you have to worry about blowing up and it'll do everything you want without having temperature considerations. But transcoding video, that, that'll that'll make some heat. Why don't you put it in have your you, freezer? There you go. While you're using it. Have you decided or tried DaVinci Resolve on? I, I've played with it a little bit. I've actually played with that on my Mac, on my, Mac, on my uh, iPad Pro. Okay. Because they did do DaVinci Resolve, mm-hmm. a free version of it on M1 iPads and I have an M1 iPad Pro 12.9 inch and it's really cool use of the Apple Pencil and stuff like that. I've played with it a little bit. I, I'm not ready to flip everything over to that side of the house, but the nice thing there is if you are putting all of your files in iCloud, you can just access it that way. That said, trying to do a bunch of video editing by pulling things from iCloud is very slow and I only pay for 50 gigs of storage in iCloud for just bare minimum backups. So there's not a lot of audio video editing I can do based off of my uh, iCloud storage plan. Have you seen if they are testing a Mac mini max? So this actually gets us to an interesting conversation where people have started saying, okay, you've got the, the pro hardware they've got the iMac pro and things like that. And the pro line of things, then you've got the studio line and the Mac mini line. And when you go and fully spec out one of the studio machines, they're arguably better than the Pro line of machines. So a lot of people are going, I'm not sure yeah. where Apple's going with this because the studio machine seems to be the thing you can spec out the most and get the most bang for your buck. And to be honest, even the base machine for two grand is pretty powerful for what it can do. And I would be lying if I said I hadn't been looking at used 
M1 Mac Studios also to try and catch a deal. I haven't found one yet, but I'm really disappointed that you don't know the answer to this because because the answer, you know, you're just going to say to yourself, wow, I can't believe I overlooked that segment of the population. And what it is, is the Mac Pro is great for people who live in confined spaces, because as you know, a lot of people who live in confined spaces have to put things in rooms that usually you might not want to like if they don't have a great spot for their computer. It might go in their kitchen. So the Mac Pro looks really great next to their cheese grater. It, it's just like, you know, it's all, all about the visual. Well, so. Didn't they take the iMac Pro and basically just put Pro stuff inside the guts of an iMac now, which I would also be concerned about thermal throttling in, <laughs> despite it having active cooling? So my, <laughs> my daughter just moved into a brand new apartment. She's the first person, her and her two friends, is a three-bedroom apartment, are the first people to live in this part. Brand new building. Brand new building. So I walk in and she did the great job of getting the internet people there the day that we're moving in and everything. I mean, she really was on it. So I'm there trying to hook up the Wi-Fi because she doesn't know how to hook up Wi-Fi, right? So I'm hooking up the Wi-Fi uh, Asus mesh system that I bought her a couple of years ago during the pandemic. So we just ported that over and I am trying to find out where to plug this in and I see... And just the first one that I saw, but I see a Ethernet port plug right next to the stove. So <laughs> li literally right there in the kitchen, you can plug in your cheese grater into the Internet. <laughs> now, as it turns out, there, there was a total of nine Ethernet ports, like two in each bed. Yeah, two in each bedroom, two in the great room, living room, whatever. It's not really a great room, it's a small living room. And then one in the kitchen and they all home run into her closet. She's in the master bedroom. So home run into the closet. And if I would have known, I would have ordered a switch before mm -hmm. she moved in yep. at 12 point or 12 port or 16 port switch. And I would have put that sucker in there, but I didn't. And she's only going to be there for six months. So after the fact, I'm like, eh, I'm not going to waste $50 and buying the switch to enable all these ports. These girls aren't going to use it anyway. So no, whatever. I'm sure 90% of what they want to do is on the Wi-Fi anyways. I mean, and let's be honest, in most homes today, what are we really hardwiring in besides like our primary PC? As much as I can. Yes. <laughs> that, Anything I mean, that's, that streams video. <laughs> that's my answer. <laughs> but see, I don't even do that. Like almost everything in my house is on Wi-Fi and I haven't had any issues with that. I stream video content all the time. So, Chris, I do have a question going back to this Mac to ask you, since you have one, how much time do you spend in your local coffee shop with your MacBook? That requires me going out into places, <laughs> so uh, not much, though I do you take, I will take it upstairs with me while I sit in the chair to work on some stuff, and it's become my main machine for productivity things. But the things I've also realized is that most of the things I would do on a laptop, I've kind of migrated over to using my tablet for. So my tablet is kind of like mm. my go-to device when I'm just hanging out doing stuff, unless it's something where I need to do a bunch of typing with an actual keyboard. Because while I can type fairly quickly on a touchscreen, nothing compares to actually having a keyboard in front of you. I'm sorry, Chris. I just can't take you seriously anymore. You're not a true Mac douche until <laughs> you start working in a coffee shop with your Apple devices. And if you're not an Apple douche, I can't take what you say seriously about the Mac OS. I would just like to point out that it was SP that said that, that comment, not me. Okay, let's just get that out here right now. <laughs>
Look, I just dabble a little bit. I'm an experimenter. Do a little bit of Mac here, a little bit of Windows there, a little bit of Linux over here where nobody can see. I, I touch on it all. Okay, I have a question for you because we're talking now about the M3. So here, here's the question. That means that we're potentially, if they follow the iPhone naming convention, we're only like seven years away from the 10th version because they'll probably skip the 9th like they did on the iPhone. So do you think, BMX. Do you think that it will be known as the M Twitter, I mean, MX processor. Sure, why not? No. Sure, why not? And they'll, no. they'll collaborate with X and they'll make a Twitter edition and it'll look all fancy and have a Tweety Bird on it because they want that nostalgia thing at that point in time. They yeah. are going to oh, do wait. whatever they can to disassociate their brand with X. Guys, it won't matter. Twitter slash X will be dead in seven years. I'm surprised <laughs> it's still alive. It's funny Depend that we think that the world will still be around in seven years. <laughs> It'll be nuclear winter in seven years. And we'll all be doing, we're doing this podcast from our bunkers. <laughs> Just with Morse code. Hey, wait a minute. I watched The Quiet Place. There are no podcast bunkers because nobody can talk. Okay, so fair enough. Morse code. Yes, Chris did say Morse code. He did. Which is probably a more interesting version of this show. <laughs> If someone wants to translate our show into Morse code, like I'll give you five bucks. <laughs> uh, that's that's high high reward right there. I just watched Midway, not the 2019 version, but the 20 or the 1976 version, and it's so funny. So they're doing the signals, the the light signals, which is Morse code back and forth to the ship. Yeah. And this guy with the with the the glasses is looking at the other ship, and he's just reading it out like it's happening real time. I'm sorry, somebody is not flashing that fast. You cannot flash as fast as you can actually no. read. Sorry, it's not happening. No, it's not. All right, well, let's move on to another X, SpaceX. Yes, the good X, right? Mm, maybe, maybe not. Anyway, it has been 108 days, 109 now, since SpaceX did the initial orbital flight text in Boca Chica, Texas. Boca Chica, Boca Chica, Boca Chica. And it ended up destroying both the rocket and the orbital launch mount used for the launch. 108 days later, Starship Booster 9 sat on top of the repaired and improved orbital launch mount to perform a 2.7 second, 29 engine static fire. Only 29 of the 33 engines lit and stayed lit, which is good enough for launch. But, you know, due to the issues with the first orbital launch, getting all 33 engines lit is probably a priority so they still have some work to do there also the newly installed water deluge system appeared to perform well it initiated the waterfall stream under the orbital launch mount at t minus seven seconds if you take a look at the video before the static fire so it was going for seven seconds before the engines actually fired now today that was yesterday today the booster nine was removed from the orbital launch mount this is Monday, August 7th, 2023. And there is a transport road closure for just after this podcast later on tonight, presumably to return Booster 9 to the production site. 108 days, which was yesterday, marks approximately three and a half months since the failed orbital flight test and is about a month and a half longer than Elon Musk's original one to two month return to flight timeline guesstimation that he did back then it's above his 
initial thoughts, but it's well within the multiplication factor of four used to calculate Elon Musk's time. So if you take that into account, they're actually doing pretty good. And then also, by the way, if you're like thinking that there's going to be a flight test soon, the FAA has not given SpaceX a go for resumed flight activities, which might prove to be an additional unexpected and elongated delay based off of what happened the first time. However, I'm going to say this. It is in the United States' interest to get back to the moon as soon as possible to compete with other global competitors. And a version of Starship called the Human Landing System is slated to bring Artemis three astronauts back to the lunar surface. Right now, it's still scheduled for the end of 2024, but we all know it's going to be 2025 or 2026. But they don't get to that point without getting Starship off the ground. So the FAA may get a little nudge from the executive branch saying, you know, you might want to approve this <laughs> orbital test flight too, rather than, you know, not approving it. So I don't think it's going to be a huge delay. There hasn't been an outcry other than from Texas itself, the, the residents right around there. There hasn't been a huge outcry over uh, this is a disaster. It affects nature and that sort of stuff. So I think this is actually going to happen. Is it going to be within the four to eight months? Probably. I think we're working on that original Elon Musk timeline with the multiplication factor of four. That's pretty exciting, guys. That's It's less than a year since that failure. And you're talking about a rocket that's, what, two, three billion dollars. So go, baby, go. Yeah, that was kind of fun to watch uh, yesterday. And the amount of water was impressive. Like there was a point when the water started going that I'm just like, wait, is that the launch? Oh, no, no, that's just a bunch of water. Like there's, it was, it, that was impressive in itself. Yeah. And the sound that that makes is a huge sonic boom itself because they're super pressurizing the water oh. inside the pressure tanks in order to force that amount of water out. It, there's this huge manifold that they had to put in to make sure that the water was pressurized and could uh, pump it that fast towards the orbital launch mount. Now, the test was only 2.7 seconds long. I don't know if that was their original intent, maybe because four engines didn't light. They were like, shut it down, shut it down, shut it down. Or if they were originally just saying, okay, let's just go 2.7 seconds. Let's see what this does. And then let's re-wigger everything. The reason I think that the booster is going back to the production site is Elon Musk has issued a statement saying that they're going to do a hot firing of the second stage, which means there will be flames coming out from the second stage while it's still attached to the first stage. And they need some vents to go out from the top fairing of the first stage. Otherwise you're just going to blow the crap out of the first stage. So mm. they need to retrofit the first stage with those vents in order to actually do this hot staging. I think that's what's going to happen. It's going to go back. It's going to get retrofitted with these vents. Then it's going to come back, probably do something with the engines, especially the four that refuse to fire, and then do another static fire before they stack ship 25 and then light it off. But that all can be done in a matter of weeks. So we might be a month away from a launch. So... More engines didn't light. Hmm. That's, Four of them. Yeah, that's that's a real bad track record so far, hey? It is, but they didn't lose them off the bottom of the rocket this time. So, you know, at least they're still attached. 
But that's four, <laughs> yeah. That's okay. a heck of a silver lining, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, they didn't lose him this time. But but that's four failures now. Yeah, the rocket can launch with, I believe, up to six engines not firing. But my point is is not what can it launch with. What are they going for? And if that's four times now that they've they've not been able to achieve what they went for, that's my question. Yeah, I, I don't think they've ever, with the static fires of the first one and the static fires with this plus the launch, I don't think they've ever had all 33 light and stay lit. So yeah, like I said, it's an issue. But if you look at the history of rocket development, especially the Falcon 1 rocket that started this whole thing off for SpaceX, it took them about four or five times before they got it right. Mm. As long as they don't destroy the test stand this next time, they can start <laughs> making some of these iterations a lot faster because they do have additional hardware ready to go, basically. It's just not been out to the launch site and tested. Is it like throwing in a, a new uh, PCIe card to your computers? Is it that simple? I don't know. I, you know, it depends on uh, what the, the issue is. Also, remember some of the issues with the first one. It was hydraulically actuated. The rocket engines were hy- hydraulically actuated and the hydraulic power units are gone and stuff. So the, the rocket is in itself doing some iterative stuff. So they could get up to six more launches done this year if they move fast enough. Heck, with their Falcon 9 and Falcon Heavy, they're going for over a hundred launches this year and they're on track to do it. That's amazing. That's like take the next several countries combined and you don't get there. So they do have some experience as a company moving fast. They just need to get this development done a little bit faster. So it sounds like it's not as simple as putting in a new PCIe card. It's more like putting in a new graphics card or a new sound card where nothing works how you want it to until you have to bang and plead and cry a few times and finally and it call, all starts call to work for some mysterious yeah. reason yeah, yeah. yeah. right yeah That's, sacrifice your firstborn maybe yeah. who knows don't upgrade your power supply so the whole thing just catches on fire that that whole yeah and situation. then it just blows up because yeah. your new graphics cards pulling too much power yeah yeah sure well i mean that's I, the equivalent of melting down your case right all i know is that you know it's just disappointing when when somebody sets out to say have x amount of uh engines go and and they just don't go. It's just disappointing. See what you did. Going to use X I, as much as I can tonight. <laughs> believe one of your sons watched it and said, "Wow." Said, "Wow." Yeah, it, it was it was a passive aggressive wow, but it was a wow. No, <laughs> like, why are you making me watch this, Dad? <laughs> Pretty wow. much. Wow. No, much. his son was like, "I only like Blue Origin launches." Jeez, Dad. <laughs> oh, he'd be out of the house if he said that. Uh, <laughs> moving on to the next news point here, it looks like Phillips Hue is maybe getting into cameras. Yes, if you aren't familiar with Philips Hue, they're one of the long-time staples in the smart home world. They've been, uh, they were at one point the premier lighting solution, arguable now, but they still are are charging premier prices. But they are apparently going to be coming out with some cameras because hueblog.com had a post that says that the new line there will be a new line introduced with a door and window sensor as well as some different cameras the current rumor is that it will be a uh, hue camera wired a hue camera wired desktop a hue camera battery and a hue floodlight camera and signify the company that actually owns philips hue said that they they have basically confirmed that there will be at least one 
new camera coming. And the thing that they've said is actually that the cameras will be end-to-end encrypted. End-to-end encryption is not something we see in a lot, actually, of uh, cameras unless it's opt-in. Um, there are some out there. I know Amazon has them. And uh, the thing, though, with the end-to-end encryption is it kind of limits your number of devices that you can have because, in theory, end-to-end encryption is is comes from one place to another. So the idea of like, you know, how you have a bunch of smart displays and they show up all of your cameras. Well, by definition, I don't think that would be end-to-end encryption because in theory, you should only have it on one device. But we'll see what happens with this when they come out. It's also worth noting that uh, Signify also owns the Wiz brand, which is interesting because, yeah, uh, the Wiz brand has cheaper products. (laughs) As in cheese? And they also have, uh, they have a camera on the market as well. But yeah, I thought that was interesting that Philips Hue might be having cameras. And I have a, a, some speculation about this. It's because probably the majority of mainstream consumers aren't willing to spend Philips Hue pricing and are going with the cheaper solutions. And so now they're looking to really uh, reuse that, that name in another way. That's my theory on it. I mean, but even when it comes to cameras, those prices are kind of high in comparison to some of their contemporaries that are charging roughly similar prices. And then let alone when you get into people that are undercutting prices like Wise. Now, granted, you have to also anticipate will Wise Mm. exist in three years. But sometimes, you know, your use case might be you just need a simple outdoor camera over your sliding glass door and the 25 bucks it costs is totally worth it. And if Wise blows up in three years, who cares? Like I'm looking at the prices here and this is roughly analogous to what you'd see with ring cams and nest cams and stuff like that. So then the real question becomes, why do I want to buy into their ecosystem? If I'm already invested in Philips Hue, maybe, but I would assume these cameras aren't reliant on you having a Philips Hue hub in your house for smart home stuff, because then they're really pigeonholing themselves into a smaller uh, subset of people that would want to purchase these things. I didn't specify the prices while I was uh, talking about this, but they are the current pricing rumored is between 200 and 350 plus US dollars um, for these different products. So which is quite expensive if that does turn out to be the case, especially compared to those items that Chris just mentioned as well. I want to just specify Chris was talking about Wise, which is different than Wiz, the company that I was saying Signify owns. So different companies, which is why. Uh, Chris is absolutely right. Why is the company could go away at any time? They've made it very clear that they almost went bankrupt until they created their subscription plan. I mean, looking at their prices, like the floodlight camera, 382 USD, 349 euros. Like you can buy the Google Nest version for 279. I think the Ring version is similar. You can buy other competing products from um, Auker. I think it was or was... I can't remember the one it is, but there's a few other ones out there. You can get one that's pan tilt zoom that is that same price that's arguably potentially better. So I don't know why their price point would be compelling unless it's got some cool way it would integrate into your Hue setup. But even most of these other cameras you can pull into, say, Google Home or things like that. Like my Google Home app, I can control the camera on my back porch, the little Nest Hub display I have on my porch. I can view my wise camera feeds on that. They're just, oh boy, this is going to be a tough line for them to dig into, especially if those price points seem valid because they're 20 to $40 more expensive than competing Nest and Ring products, which are on the high end of these things. Well, and when you're looking at things like 
the alternatives nest and ring you have people who are already investing in those sort of products they might be they might have themselves an alexa um and so they're like oh well it's just natural to go get one of their cameras or they might have a, a google hub or a, a android phone or whatever and they're just go, okay well we'll just go get that that as well because you know i've already got one of those products well, I mean, the nice thing with those products is are they all play nice with whatever your smart, whatever your audio smart home assistant would be, be it Amazon voice services, Google assistant, things like that. Like all of them play nice to some extent. You can connect the apps to it. And granted, this is translated from an app about Philips Hue's cameras. It'll be very interesting to see whether A, you have to have a Philips Hue hub to make this work or be bought into that ecosystem or B, if you don't, and it's all Wi-Fi enabled and Wi-Fi controllable. Will they have connectivity into Google Assistant or Amazon Voice mm-hmm. Services? I assume so, because most camera makers in today's world have to build that in because that's something people want. And if that's there, I, I just don't see the reason to be like, oh my God, I got to pay a luxury tax to buy a Philips Hue product versus a competing Ring or Google product, which you could assume would probably last longer than Philips Hue owned by Signify. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's you. You make play. A, You bring up a really good point. What is the the business case here? Like, I'm all for competition, but I don't think they're competition. They've priced themselves out of it. Guys, you missed the small print. Did you not read this article? These cameras link directly into the Big Brother network. Oh, so first of all, you get all oh, the Amazon Big Brother sidewalk. You mean camera? <laughs> you get all the Big Brother feeds for free. Plus, then your house can automatically be part of the Big Brother network, and you can start competing for the prize money yourself. You're talking about the Big Brother TV show now. Then that is that is that what we're talking about? That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Okay. Well, actually, that's cooler than than Amazon Sidewalk, Big Brother Network. So yeah, I, I, I'm all in. Okay, I'm paying. I'm it, see. Yep. I, I I'm thought in. you would be you and <laughs> Suncast and everybody else that likes Big Brother. I mean, here's what I'm saying. I'm a doubter on this stuff, but hey, uh, Signify, if you want me to test it, send me some free ones. I'll play with them and give you honest feedback on here. I mean, all of us on this show have played with a variety of different smart home cameras and light setups and things like that. You know, I've looked at some of the Hue stuff and I've had similar critiques about it and yet it's still out there. So maybe there is some answer that we're missing because like you look at their outdoor products and it's insane to even get like one light fixture and there's other companies that make comparable things or you go and you're like, I want to put some pathway lighting in and, and the price is like, two, three, four times as comparison of things like like Govi and stuff. And so it's like, where where is the market case for that? Yet they are still selling these products. So maybe. I got the real answer for this, guys. It's all those people that brought in, bought into the Philips Hue hub that refused to move off of the Philips Hue hub. And there's like, we got them now. We'll sell them overpriced cameras to help pay for the fact that nobody's buying our crap anymore. It could be. It could be because once people are in something, they they do sometimes gravitate to what they know. So there's an interesting comment. I, I pulled up the source article you were looking at on The Verge and I read the comments, which is a problem sometimes. <laughs> but there's a user in there that actually brings up a good point who's a bit more knowledgeable than I, but what he's saying makes sense is Folks were talking about whether it would require the Philips Hue hub to send video through or to process that. And they said, I wouldn't count on Hue's cameras using the Hue bridge. 
It only supports the Zigbee protocol, which as far as I know is limited to 200 to 250 kilobytes per second mm. at max. Not really fast enough for good streaming video from a smart home camera. So arguably, we're probably talking about something that connects over Wi-Fi. It's probably not going to be something that connects over matter or thread because I don't think video over matter was something that was in the 1.0 spec or whatever that's out there. I think no. that's something they were still talking about. Why so it's would gotta you be Wi-Fi. A camera connected to threads.net. <laughs> Different thread, but well done. <laughs> well, I so, guess we'll see what happens. But yeah, you're it's probably just a right. Wi-Fi it's probably camera. Wi-Fi. It's a Wi-Fi camera from a different competitor that it will arguably work with Apple's HomeKit Secure. So if you use HomeKit for stuff, that's a cool differentiating point. I'm not sure if the Nest products and the uh, Ring products do that. Maybe that's a differentiating point where people might want to do it. But I'm not in that, so I don't really care. (laughs) I guess we'll see. We will find out. Where is the Hue camera that is rated for the bathroom so I can install it to look at my bathtub and then I can send you guys a video. Well, just get a wise cam, which is rated for indoor outdoor and just slap it up on the wall and you can get a 1080p feed out of that. But what if I have a Philips Hue hub? I would need a Hue camera for that. <laughs> we, we, we were just saying it doesn't work with the hub. It sounds like I'm so sad what I heard. My brain hurts. <laughs> I know. Well, we look forward to SP's bathroom camera and the update then. SPBathCam.com. Someone buy it right now. (laughs) Probably already exists. I'm afraid to look, to be honest. I'm not going to. All right. Well, quickly in the extra extra, SP kind of segued us into threads nicely. Uh, Hey, guess what? The latest report that has numbers from August 1st is indicating that apparently uh, Threads has dropped like 80% of its active user base. We talked about this last episode, but as of August 1st, Similar Web is saying that active users has cratered all the way down from 49 million down to 9.6 million. Not surprising. I have to say, I've been super disappointed with the lack of rollout on Threads. They had a really big opportunity. They had a lot of people waiting and giving it a little bit of time to have these features rolled out and there's basically been nothing since they launched. And so I I think they're, they're missing the boat. They are missing the boat here as far as possible um, changes that could have made people stick around and we'll see. And, you know, in the end, who cares? I, I I still like Mastodon better than threads, but um, given that, given what I've seen um, as far as finding other people and big possible consumer adoption, Threads is, is beyond anything, anything else over recent months of people trying to look for a Twitter like service. It's just not even close as far as actually being able to easily search for somebody that and having had them there at one point. So, you know, they, they've definitely missed out here. Their lack of speed in updating things is to their detriment. Now, like, mm-hmm. I understand some of their thought there is they don't want to roll out a half baked product. But what have we done since? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's true. But I think they're afraid of launching something or putting something out there that's broken and doesn't work right. Because remember how much everyone dunked on Twitter when they would uh, do their hardcore coding changes and roll out something that didn't work quite right and then would eventually fix it. I think threads went to the opposite extreme, which is we don't want to do that because we don't want to get that look of, oh, we're rolling out broken stuff and they're going way too slow. I mean, what have we got? We got a filter at the top so I can change it to my following feed that's sort of narrows it down to people I'm following on threads. I still don't have a web version of it. And isn't that Mac only? 
that no, I think it's on Android. Oh, is it now? Okay, I, I knew it originally was it was only on Mac. I, so. But I I did opt into the Threads beta on Android, so maybe it's only in the beta on Android. I'm not sure. Mm, so I that could be that. the case. So the, they need to roll more stuff oh, out yeah, if there you want is. to get the audience back or to keep users coming in. The fact that it's hooked into Instagram and everybody seems to be on Instagram, which is something I've never gotten, but I'm just showing my age there. <laughs> kind of continues to make threads relevant which is if more of these things go in there it becomes more user but not user folks one of the right term i'm looking for starts to have more of those features that users are looking for then they potentially flock back because part of what made threads so attractive and part of what's made all these other alternatives so attractive for a temporary time period is people wanted to not be on twitter they wanted to find an alternative that would suit them better and the problem still is your, your audience, the friends that you've made there haven't all necessarily migrated to all these other platforms. I've got two litmus tests that I really need to have uh, the service pass before I really use it. And one Albert in the chat just nails it. He says, I won't really have a use for threads until it gets a web interface. Yeah, I think I'm squarely in that boat too. I go into it when I can. But the litmus test number two is that not only does it need a web interface, but I need to be able to tunnel into it and get to it via work. And I don't have the say over that. There's a whole IT department that has a say over that and whole approval process. That said, I, there's some sites out there that I'm surprised that I can get to at work, like Pinecast. I could get to Pinecast at work, which is my uh, one of my uh, uh, podcast media host providers. I'm like, I've never been able to get to like Libsyn at work. Wow, this is this is huge to be able to get to it. But I can't get to threads from work. So if I can't get to threads from work, I'm never going to use it because I'm there for eight to 10 hours a day. OK, but on that second one, like and and to be honest, I, I hate to use this, but that's a you problem, right? Like as far as you and your employer go. But here's my question for you on that. And I'm I'm not chirping here. I'm I'm legitimately saying how long do you think your Twitter access is really going to last when it changes over to X and the other things that are are and and that's partly because of you know the thing we were talking about earlier, but also the fact that it's been very clear Elon's taking it another direction. He wants to, and anybody who thinks it's going to remain being just Twitter like is out to lunch. And all of a sudden, like let's say they throw a financial feature in there or something. How much longer do you think your work's going to really allow that? And so then like. Does that still weigh into your litmus test if suddenly Twitter is no longer even accessible for you? Well, no, it's still a litmus test. It just then Twitter doesn't meet that litmus test. But I will say that right now, unless something dramatically changes, which I'm expecting at some point, but it's not happened yet. I foresee because of the amount of official accounts on X still, I see that as continuing as being able to access from work for me at least. And yes, you're talking about a me problem. Yeah. I, I will admit it. I mean, not, not everybody gets to have the honor of leaving their phone in their car when they go to work. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can't bring my phone into work and I have to access outside sites through a very degraded web interface. And yeah, the, the, some of the stuff that I can get to is amazing. And some of the stuff is like, yeah, okay. I, I knew I wouldn't be able to get there. <laughs> so if X turns into that, I'm not going to be able to access from work. Okay. Then I'm not going to be access be able to access it from work. It's the same way across the board with all social media. I can't get to Mustadon. I mean Mastodon. I mean Mustadon. <laughs> I can't get there 
I can't get to blue sky. I can't get to threads. All the new cool tools out there I can't get to. Uh, people use Facebook for my work. You can't get to eBay for my work, so you can't sell stuff from your desk. But you can figure. get to Gunna Geek? I can get to Gunna Geek. I have not tried to get into the back end. Have you tried think, to get to Moostodon? Moostodon, not Mastodon, like my, like my instance. Yeah, I've tried. And you it, can't? No, I can't. Oh, that's going to be a new domain thing. So, So what you're saying is I need to throw an instance of Mastodon on the Gunna Geek site for you. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, no, they'll just shut it down at that point. They'll shut down that web page. I won't be able to get to that web page. Okay, so I'm going to throw an instance on better podcasting so you can't access that either. <laughs> well, let's face it, I never do that either. It's not true. I do it every week. But... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how long that lasts. Like for me at, at my workplace, like no social media is basically accessible and and not not personal email or anything like they got that all blocked down. So so for me, that that's a non-factor. But for you, I, I know you really, really, really want to see those X videos at work. Everybody wants to see the X videos at work. And yes, I do know that there's really XXX videos on the X, but I, I don't go there. It's, that would get me fired and I don't want to get fired. All right. Well, threads. Yeah. Took a big dive. That's the moral of the story here. Well, let's go and quickly do a little bit of an update about some uh, things that have been happening in our worlds in recent I thought it would be kind of fun to do a little bit of catch up talking about some of the geeky things that have been happening around our geek spaces. It's been a while since we've done a little bit of that. And I'm going to start off by just saying, you know, since we were talking about smart homes and stuff, uh, I've been experimenting a little bit with Matter, uh, which is that new proto or that new um, it's a protocol. I get new standard for smart homes that has been adopted by many, many big players. And uh, part of that is that Matter can run on either Wi-Fi network or there are devices that run on the Thread network, not Threads, the Thread network, which is kind of like Zigbee, but different, uh, slightly different. And so I've been trying a little bit of that, and I have to say it has been a disappointment overall. It's been been lacking features. It's been not great. And the Thread, the thread aspect, I'm literally got a package of stuff here that I'm sending back because I'm done with it for a while. And it's not just me. I've also been having actually uh, my dad also recently, him and I were both trying to tackle this from two different setups and it's just not been good. And then I did a bunch of Googling and a lot of other people are having similar issues. And this is across the board with things like home assistant and Google homes and um, uh, whatever the Apple home thing is. And also home kit. Home kit. Um, Although technically not HomeKit for the Matter version, but uh, so then also there's the Alexa one as well. But it's just it looks very inconsistent out there with Thread, and the prices on the Thread stuff is quite expensive compared to Wi-Fi stuff. And I, from just playing around with some of this stuff, I question how much Thread is really in Matter's future. I think that I, I question Matter's future if I'm being totally honest, because I think version one. Me has too. Yeah, version one's been a disaster. They've also, I think, launched it in different ways. For example, I have a couple of uh, CASA, which is TP-Link, 
CASA um, Wi-Fi plugs that have energy monitoring. Well, the Matter Spec doesn't apparently have energy monitoring in it right now, even though these products are out there. So, so I question that, but I also think the thread is so expensive right now, and and I don't know how much it's going to drop compared to Wi-Fi stuff. I suspect that if Matter does actually continue through and and you know take off and everything. Um, I wonder if Thread will just sort of be kind of like Zigbee and Z-Wave are now, where it's like, you know, it, it's a certain very niche market that does that. Everything else is using Wi-Fi. I think you're 100% right in that thought. And I think the thing that we're going to think of Matter for isn't necessarily anything other than I can make it so that devices that only work on my Apple stuff will work with the rest of my ecosystem or something like that. I think that's just the TLDR of Matter for most of us right now. And even at this point in time, like I haven't, had any need to use any of this stuff on matter. I, the simplest thing I got was I think they made it so that my uh, Samsung hub would better work with my Google home devices and things like that. And I, I think I did the bare minimum of doing the connectivity of that again. Yeah. But that already worked over Wi-Fi. So all that changed for me is they're probably working over matter versus over Wi-Fi. I haven't noticed any change in my smart home ecosystem as this rolled out. And you don't hear the big manufacturers talking about matter near as much now that it's out yeah it was the big thing to talk about now it's like oh yeah it, it just works and the other thing that like from experimenting with matter i ran into some issues trying to get devices paired and this was wi-fi devices they they were very unhappy when and actually my dad ran into the same thing when they were the plugs were a little bit far away from the access point but not in an area that was poor signal we just had to move them closer to our access points for them to actually pair properly. We, we both independently had this happen, two different network setups. Do you run mesh or do you run just regular Wi-Fi network? Because uh, So he has a, a Orbi mesh network. I have a Unify network that has the different access points around the house. So that that's sometimes where these devices have problems is when you try and connect them on a mesh network, they get all confused and discombobulated because it yeah. sees the same network names six different times over with name changes that we can't see but it's slightly different and that could very well be but the other thing that i i want to say though that is positive though about matter is when it did work what was really nice is is um at least from the android app i was able to just go in and um have it uh take the wi-fi credentials and and it did it all itself so i didn't have to That's enter sick. those in which was which was nice but overall pretty disappointed with that all around and um kind of kind of disappointed with what i'm seeing and yeah pretty much ready to give up on thread for now uh i did have a little bit of success, uh, success pairing it to my um nest hub second gen smart things was a mixed bag um as far as success goes and I think some of this might actually come down to network protocol because the thread and matter spec both is is to do with IPv6 and digging into some errors in the home assistant. Um, I I was having failures until I while well, I had um, smart things offline and then the home assistant pairing worked when my smart things hub was online. So I have a feeling there might be some some network confusion happening that actually smart things might be patching on my network just be you know whether it's an mdns thing or something but i'm not sure it's all theory right now but some really weird inconsistent things but yeah smart things on its own was a mixed bag nest hub was mostly okay but it still had some weird things where um when i had another hub like when i had um another border router thread border router on there it started to get confused pairing directly to the home so it looks like there's a lot of practical application things out there that 
might have been overlooked and and it's frustrating so overall pretty disappointed in the end i'll probably keep my um keep one thread device to experiment with maybe a bulb or something keep my couple matter wi-fi switches see what happens there because i got those on prime day and and then just wait <laughs> i think that's what i'm going to do <laughs> i haven't found any compelling reason to make any changes with stuff other than just dabbling to learn how it works there hasn't been anything made me go oh my god i need to buy this so i can use it this way and it'll make my smart home network even better i'm kind of underwhelmed based off all the buzz that was going to be out there of how this is going to change the shape of home automation blah 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 it's just another communication path yeah it makes things play nicer together i think that as we go into the wi-fi 6e and above infrastructures that these walled gardens of smart devices and networks are going to go away. I think the Wi-Fi networks are going to be capable of handling a lot more devices and information sharing back and forth. And I just think within five to 10 years that you're not going to see the smart home regulatory services like you see right now. But I don't want everything on Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is congested enough. Even if Wi-Fi, I have Wi-Fi 6E and stuff like that. And my network has the, the bandwidth to support anything. I like the fact that, you know, all of my uh, smart thing stuff operates on a different network, different frequency than my Wi-Fi. So it's all mm -hmm. off on its own thing. So what you're saying is you're the same sort of whiner that <laughs> is on a wink network that doesn't want to change because I, this is well, what I always use difference. and this is what I like. No, 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 no. Here's the difference. My solution works <laughs> for now. <laughs> well, one of the things that I, I, I actually agree with SP. I think most of the stuff is going to go Wi-Fi. I, I think that, that it's cheap. I think it's inexpensive. Well, that, that's but, why it's going to go there. Yeah. But the question is, should it all go to Wi-Fi? Exactly. But here's the thing that they've got a big problem with right now that they have to fix it with the wi-fi is the fact that i don't know what the actual figure is but it's that the majority of these cheap wi-fi devices have issues with um merged networks so where it's your 2.4 and your 5 gigahertz together and the wi-fi 6 spec says that they're supposed to be together and and most of these devices have issues and you can just search the internet and you got lots of people who you know, they have issues pairing and then they make a post online. And most of the time, the issue ends up being, we'll temporarily dis disable your five gigahertz yep. because they're, they're stupid devices that can't figure it out for some reason. So I think that's going to be, be patched. And I, you know, the, the whole walled garden thing, that's what matter is supposed to do. It's supposed to stop the walled garden. Now, again, I, 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 I have huge doubts at the moment. You you said patched. These devices, once you buy them, are often never patched. I mean, yeah. wasn't it Linus that ran into that issue when he was trying to put a bunch of smart switches into his house and found out that he needed a certain driver for it, which they'd done an update, but he couldn't go and get it directly. Patched was the wrong word. Yeah. I mean, I mean fixed in future okay. iterations. So yeah, right. no, patch like was the wrong Nick word. Like a Nick Fury eye patch? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing I just want to quickly throw out here because I've been binging it the last few days. Um, I started to um I st I started to for the first time ever watch The Office. So I made it through season 1 and then I started to go into season 2. And you know what I had to do? I had to put pause on that to binge the final season of Jack Ryan 
because I couldn't do John Krasinski in that role after having <laughs> having only really, you know, watched him in Jack Ryan. So I, I, I'm just about finished that. I've got one and a half more episodes left of Jack Ryan, and then I'll continue on The Office. But I wanted to throw that out there because I just, I, I couldn't do the two, two simultaneously. Have you seen <laughs> A Quiet Place yet? No, I haven't. Okay. Just wondering. Okay. I'll write that on the show notes right here. A Quiet Place. SP says to watch there. Now I've typed it out so all the audio listeners can hear it as well as the video listeners watch me staring at the dock typing. Oh my. Great entertainment. Very entertaining. <laughs> I'm riveted. Is he in this? That's more. Yeah. That's oh, more. I didn't know that. Fact, He's he, the male. He lead. produced not oh. only that, but he produces the series. Oh, I, I, I don't know much about it other than yeah, you it's mentioning like it. his Tom Cruise Mission Impossible thing. Oh, sweet. Okay. So that explains why they ended Jack Ryan. Okay. Gotcha. No, that was just because of this. Oh, it Emily was on audio oh, making a money They're gesture. both in it. I didn't realize they were both in it. Okay. Yeah, it's a family affair. Okay. Well, now I got to watch this. Maybe The Office will have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's only two movies. You got plenty of time after that. Oh, is it movies? I thought it was a series. It's, it's oh. two movies. Well, there you well go. it's going to be a series. Yeah. Well, now I'm all disappointed. All right. Let's go on to what you've got going on, Chris. So, some simple stuff is. I was real excited for the fact that uh, Babylon 5, a sci-fi series from the mid-90s that arguably helped set up a lot of serialized entertainment we see today, was getting a Blu-ray release coming up in December. J. Michael Straczynski, the creator of the show, was talking about it. I think it's retailing for like 100 some odd bucks. It'll probably go a little bit cheaper. And I was going to pick that up until I caught on sale, I want to say on Vudu, or it might have been a Fanflix sale. The entire remastered B5 digital copy on Vudu for $49.99. So I went and bought all that, and I'm going to do, because I haven't done it in a couple of years, another rewatch of Babylon 5, which is one of my favorite sci-fi shows of all time. And I'm cautiously optimistic to see how well the HD remaster works for it, because if you bought the DVD sets of Babylon 5, you saw that it was uh, not so great for some stuff. So for those who aren't aware, they filmed the show in 16 by 9 the special effects were done in four by three with the thought that they could go back in later and do 16 by nine if they wanted to. Well, when they did the DVD cut, they had all of the uh, live footage in 16 by nine. They didn't remaster the four by three. So all they did was hack off the top and bottom of it and stretch it to 16 by 16 by nine. So the special effects for Babylon five are very rough on the DVD release. Supposedly this is fixed in the Blu-ray <laughs> HD release, but everything is four by three aspect ratio in order to do that which is fine. You're not going to miss a ton that way. But I love the show. I'm looking forward to rewatching it. One of my favorite of all time. I'm also really excited that they have an animated direct-to-DVD movie coming out, I think, at the end of this month, where the remaining cast has returned to reprise their voice roles, and they then recast the roles of those that have sadly passed away because that show got hit really hard mm. by a lot of uh, cast passing away. It was all, all the asbestos they used on the space station. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so that was one of the things. Next thing, I, I want a random tangent question for you since yes. you're talking about releases. Um, I, I, what do you think the future is of the physical release right now? Because I just got talking about this with a family member. This is and, interesting, actually. And the reason why I bring it up is because, like, they went in and they were talking to you know random employee at Best Buy, and 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 that employee was like, you know. They're done. Like, you know, you, you, you might as well not even bother getting a player like you're not going to have these anymore. And, uh, and then I'm like, well, maybe, but they have, all manufacturers haven't stopped. There has been a manufacturer that has stopped. 
but also, you know, with streaming rights and stuff, there's been sort of an uptick again. So, so the question, like, you know, for me, my, my thoughts were, or I don't know where it's going to go because, you know, the, the studios might actually want to maintain that control of the streaming. So it might actually benefit them to ax them all, or they might look at the, the demand and the possibility of double dipping by continuing to do re-releases and stuff on physical media, knowing people are also still going to be streaming because most people will still have some form of streaming service. So double dipping. So it's an interesting thought and I've actually seen some news articles popping up about it. And I want to say a few of them were talking about that in certain regions, Disney's no longer going to be doing physical releases for some of their movies. Mm. I think they were saying Australia guardians, of the galaxy volume three is going to be the last of the Disney new releases that came out in a physical property out there because you can either buy it digitally, which is just a license as we've talked about before or subscribe to their screen, their streaming, not screaming platform. I think, that we're probably going to see physical media become a niche thing and you'll start seeing limited releases of things in that's the problem we talked about it with star trek prodigy and things like that where they pulled prodigy off of paramount plus in like the span of seven days and we couldn't get the second half of prodigy until like a week ago i think it finally hit the streaming service for people that had purchased digital licenses for it and we're going to run into a problem now where it's okay i really liked random movie X that came out in the year 2024, but there was never a physical release for it. And we took it off and the company that had it said it didn't make enough money. They didn't sell it digitally and they didn't put out a physical copy. How do I get it? Yo, ho, mm. yo, ho, yo, ho, sale the seven C's. That's the only way you're going to be able to get it, yeah. which is not the right answer. <laughs> and I'm not saying that you should do that, but that's what it's going to start turning into is these things that don't do well in a theater. The only way you'll be able to see the light of day with them is pirating them. Probably. Well, and, and I think you can look back to even the VHS era and, and, and see that that is what happened. Like the Disney vault. Like, I don't know about you, Chris, but when I was growing up, most people that I knew had at least one Disney vaulted movie that was a copy with a handwritten label. Oh, like, sure. like everybody had at least one movie or more because that was the only way that that somebody could have the same movie that they saw at their friend's house because it was no longer available for purchase. So here's the thing, though. You are far less likely to get sued for making a copy of your friend's video or recording off of ABC the movie that you <laughs> wanted to see when they finally showed it than you are if you go and download a digital rip of a movie that arguably is not available anywhere because the copyright holder still retains the rights to it mm -hmm. and they can slap you with a lawsuit after that. Yeah, I saw Star Wars A New Hope probably close to 300 times off of a recording the first time it was on CBS. Oh yeah. See, that's so taking it way back. Yeah. <laughs> I still have the VHS. I, I'm afraid to play it because I think the freaking tape's going to disintegrate, <laughs> but yeah, I, I still have it and I watched it, but I don't need to watch it anymore. And I can't remember if it was the original version or if it was some sort of edited or updated version I know the first, it wasn't even the first time it was on TV. The first time it was on TV, I think it was on Fox and I just missed it. And we didn't have a VHS player, but we had a VHS player when the CBS version and there was whole, but there was like a half an hour before and a half an hour behind it. And then just little breaks that gave you snippets of the fandom, like people that had watched it in theaters 500 times or had garages full of 
uh, toys and memorabilia. And this is before collecting really was a huge thing too. It was like, wow, you have all that stuff and merchandising took off from there. But yeah, the, the early eighties were definitely a, a different time for all this. As far as Babylon five goes, Chris, to get you back on track here, I had been watching it on Roku while I worked out. And for those that don't know, I haven't been able to do that in a couple of weeks because it broke my foot, but I had been watching it on Roku, which was okay for me. I mean, that's how it originally aired was on TV. So yes. I was like, it was okay. But here's the problem with the Roku streaming service. It's a free channel, right? They put the commercial breaks wherever they want to. You could be oh, in the middle of the a scene. Yeah. yeah, you could be in the middle of a scene and all of a sudden, boom, you're like, what happened? And like, I'm half paying attention because I'm working out. I've never seen the series before. So I'm just kind of passively trying to watch to take it in. And then all of a sudden this is a commercial. I'm like, Argh. and then if I have to, if I'm forced to look at the TV as I'm doing some set or I'm on the elliptical for a while, there's no fast forwarding through these things. It is literally three to five minutes of these commercials. So while you were talking and you mentioned the streaming version was $50, I bought it on Vudu. So thank you. That's the way to do it. <laughs> it's a great no, show. No, no, I really you enjoyed it. it. You didn't buy it on Vudu. You, you bought a license. You licensed it on Vudu. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, <laughs> because I, I was the one who was caught yeah. by Brian Prodigy on Prime and like getting to the, getting halfway through Prodigy, which turned out, you know, Chris, I'll eat crow here. It was a good series halfway through. And then I'm like, but, but, but I can't play the next one. It said, you know, series not available or episode not available. I'm like, oh, you did prime prime. They just dropped a trailer for the new season of prodigy, which we don't know where it's going to be. So I'm yeah. very confused as to what's going on with that. Neither here nor there, but what we are getting into going back to Steven's question is if you remember uh, in the eighties and nineties, specifically in the pro wrestling world, there was a lot of people called tape trading, which is I'd record these shows on VHS. I'd go to a convention. I would trade tapes with people. That's what we're going to get back to with a bunch of this content. And let's be honest. If you go to a comic convention, there's always that shady dude that has a booth somewhere that's selling a bunch of uh, TV shady. or DVD rips of old TV shows that shady. aren't available anywhere. That's what's going to start happening is you're going to go to the comic con and go to the shady booth in the corner and be like, hey, I miss Star Trek Prodigy. It's not streaming anywhere. You got it. And they'll be like, yeah, 20 bucks. And you go, OK. And that's nice. how you'll get these things. Guys, you know, at the beginning of the Matrix, where that guy with the girl with the rabbit comes to the door, right? They weren't getting a program. They were actually, you know, just trying to get the black market Babylon 5. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So, what stuff else I'm getting into because I've been killing it here on time. I apologize. So, they announced a Spider Man 5 PlayStation, excuse me, a Spider Man 2 PlayStation 5 bundle. I picked one up in pre-order, and then this last weekend, the PlayStation 4 went on sale, or excuse me, PlayStation 5 went on sale, and I went, what the hell? And more of these rumors have popped up about a PlayStation 5 Slim coming soon. So I'm kind of of the mind I'm going to cancel my pre-order and just wait until the PS5 Slim or a regular PlayStation price cut comes into play, because while I like the Spider-Man edition of the PS5, it's $600. Yes, it comes with the game. But it's $600, and I could have just bought a PlayStation 5 this weekend for $450, then bought the game myself for $60 and still saved $80 plus bucks. So I'm kind of thinking of holding off on that, and more so because I think I'd rather have the PS5 Slim that takes up less space in my entertainment center because the PlayStation 5 is a monster-sized device, and I don't really want to have the giant-sized device there if I can get around it. 
just thinking out loud there. Well, why don't you buy a PlayStation 5 on its own, and then you can cut a little hole in your Spider-Man that's next to you and put the PlayStation 5 in it, and it could be like a special... Spider-Man edition of that the PlayStation 5. so fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could put a fan in the back. I was going to say, or, or the, dry, over the dry ice that SP mentioned earlier. Oh, there you, oh, go. There you go. There you go. Uh, real quick, last two things. I picked up some new uh, humidity and temperature sensors that were on an Amazon sale because I needed some for my house. And they do connect over Bluetooth low energy to allow charting and trends over time. Steven has similar ones. If I had Home Assistant, I could hook it into that, which I don't currently have. I'm looking at one right now. It's right in front of me. It is. I've just turned the AC on because it's 25.3 degrees Celsius in here and it's 47% humidity. Yeah. So I'll be setting those up later this week. And then finally, the last thing I did is I think I had talked about on this show before that once I pivoted to work from home, I realized my crappy office chair I had wasn't going to hold out. So I went and got one of the secret lab chairs because my dad loves them and they're known as gaming chairs, blah, 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 blah. But I really like it. I enjoy them. And one of the things they had done with this current iteration of them is you can take the armrests off. And why they did that is because they started selling different kinds of replacement armrests. And what I did buy, because I saw them on sale, is I took my standard armrest, which you can see here, and I replaced it with this other armrest here, which is far more plush and cushiony and has the not heat absorbing, but heat diffusing gel or whatnot in it so that my arms don't get hot when I'm sitting here at my desk with my arms on the armrest typing away all day. And the nice thing is it's far more cushioned. I'm holding up the camera right now. You can see it's like twice the thickness almost. So it's it's quite nice and it's kind of got a nice fabric upholstery and it feels good on my arms all day as I sit in this chair for eight to 10 hours a day when I'm working. So it was a nice investment, a little more expensive than I would like, but all these uh, office furniture type things are more expensive than I would like. And I can always switch out to a different version because they just clip on with magnets. You can see the metal bars here that connect to the magnets built into my chair. So why isn't it Spider-Man themed? They don't sell any Spider-Man themed ones right now, or I would think about it. These armrests, these armrests only came in black, pink, and gray, I think, were the three colors they made them in. Well, maybe you should make a custom Spider-Man one. That sounds like a lot of work, and I'm lazy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, SP, what have you been up to other than buying the Spider-Man PS5? Well, I was reminded of something that you guys had had, had mentioned. So uh, there was a, a post that you guys had texted to me about the Wink system being down again, and <laughs> how many people Schadenfreude <laughs> were upset about it. And I was like, "Oh, I should mention it on the show." I put my Wink Hub Two for sale on eBay. I started out at I believe it was fifty dollars. And then every week I decreased it by 10 and another 10 and another, I got down to 20 and then all of a sudden to my surprise, <laughs> somebody bought it. So Good Lord, why <laughs> I sold a wink hub Two for $20. And here's the thing, the way eBay works is you sign up and say, Hey, have eBay calculate the shipping. And then they give you a discount on it for, I don't know why, but they usually give you 40, 50% discount or whatever. So I paid only for half the shipping through eBay to send it through the United States Postal Service. So I made $27 off of my Wink Hub 2. Fancy. Mm -hmm. And it is no longer 
uh, anchor in this house. That's too bad because I, I've got a couple in my garage in a tub and I might not use them, but I just sleep well at night knowing well, they're there. They're bricked if you didn't upgrade when they changed their paid service. Yeah, they are because I didn't. <laughs> I didn't either. Mine's bricked. And I've so, never I've never used it. So <laughs> I have no idea what this guy. I mean, I was very clear. Yeah. I've never used it on the uh, as is sold as is no returns. So whoever bought it. And if you happen to be watching this, I'm guessing you bought it for some other reason than to replace what you had. If either way, I'd like to know why you bought it. So at go. one point, somebody was in the. There used to be discussion about being able to potentially repurpose a, a radio yeah. in there, but I don't think that that ever happened. My guess for 20 bucks plus whatever the shipping was, um, my guess is somebody is is doing one of the, the things that I probably will do with mine one day, which is some form of smart home display. Like, that's why I'll hold on to mine to eternity, because maybe one day, you know, when the kids are moved out, I'll have a little shelf or something of yeah, a little uh, museum. Uh, yeah, a little museum. Of and smart charge stuff. people to exactly. come by. <laughs> Most of the kids charge them. Uh, but, yeah. but, you know, kindergarten classes, first grade classes, you'll have them come in and you'll pay. That's that's a whole rig. Yeah. Right. You have these kids go on field trips, but you pay, have them pay per kid to come in. Maybe I'll have to do that. But uh, yeah, that's my guess is they're doing something like that. But uh, anyways, congratulations on selling your wink. And what else have you been up to? Well, I've been using Saturday night to catch up on a lot of movies that I have missed over the past few years. I keep on telling you guys, you know, at some point in time, I'm going to catch up with all these movies I've missed. And I figured, well, why not now? In addition to the fact that there is, you know, a writer strike and an actor strike going on right now. So I just think that there is this dearth of material out there that everybody hasn't seen. Definitely that I have not seen. So I've been catching up on it. So I have watched the entire John Wick series, one through four, caught that. I have watched Arrival, surprisingly good to me. I didn't know it was going to be that good. Fury Road, Mad Max Fury Road, very good. I caught that. I caught A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place 2. No spoilers here since Steven hasn't seen that, but the first one, you know, does have your office boy in there. And then Midway, I've watched that, the 2019 version, which then I went back to watch the 1976 version. And then just this past week, I watched the Dungeons and Dragons movie, which is streaming for free on Paramount Plus. It's going to be on Prime in a couple of weeks, but I watched it. So that's it. And then I decided to go one step further this week and I watched the Super Mario Brothers movie at three times speed. Oh, <laughs> really? Way I can oh, three times? It. Why three times? I, I watched it just first time a week ago. I think it's worth a one time speed. But you had played the game as a kid. You were like in the moment with Super Mario Brothers. I was too. I'm too old. I'm aged out of it. So I've never played it. I think that you missed out. Well, I saw I see the whole thing. Actually, sorry, you, you missed out by a third. Because Are you sure you watched the new Mario <laughs> Brothers movie and not the old one that was terrible from the 90s? <laughs> yeah, the one with Chris Evans in it. Yeah, okay. It's the one I watched. Chris Evans? Chris Pratt. Thank you. They're no, all don't, the same to him. He sees us Chris is all the same. <laughs> it's just a Marvel Chris. Yeah, there's so many of them. I don't know. I thought it was it was an okay movie. Uh, I, I haven't it, seen it yet. Myself. Yeah, I, I was. It was worth a watch. That's all, my that's life all, is so. complete. Having seen it and having seen it at three times speed. Yes, fair enough. Uh, 
one thing that I know at least two of us watched this week. Actually, all three of us did. Actually, I can all three of us did was uh, we all last this past week watched the strange new world musical episode Do i don't we think have to talk about i don't this? think we're going to get into it but i yeah. should acknowledge it because we're, we're running late on time but um there is differing opinions in our discord mostly me being different than everybody else and i stand behind it and uh anyways there's it all there's, depends on if you like musicals if you like musicals you have a lot of fun with it if you're ambivalent or don't care about musicals you can honestly skip this episode and be fine. Disagree because on both factors, actually, because number one, I disagree because I like musicals and I did not like the episode. Mm -hmm. Number two, uh, that's one of my biggest issues with it is that you can't skip the episode because you. no, you can't it's all filler. Nope, no, it's not, it's not because they've it, they've resolved a couple of big character plots in, in it. And that's one of my big, the biggest oh, thorns please, in that'll my be on previously on next week. You'll be fine. Fair enough. <laughs> if you want to watch it previously on. Fair, OK, fair enough. <laughs> Thank you, Battlestar Galactic. <laughs> I stand with Steven, by the way. I'm, I'm just, I, I haven't just been that vocal on the discord, but I said what I had to say about it. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I mean, it's no Buffy musical. That's still the top tier for television music, television show musicals for me. But I like musicals. I like time loop stories. I, I like glitch, gitch, what, whatever you want to call this niche. I like that sort of stuff. This is not my track. And Stephen, I will tell you this uh, since you mentioned it. The I think the episode style would have worked tremendously in lower decks versus uh, strange I, new world i could see that being that style of working in lower decks yeah and and i think that's one of the things okay we said we're not gonna get into it, but I'll, I'll say the only, so, last thing that i will say on the subject right now is i think that's one of the things that bugged me is because two weeks ago they had a perfect off the rails type episode with, with the lower decks cross off crossover like it was it was so good that should have been the the crazy one of the season and because they kind of had the, the previous season as well with the the whole uh, um, switchel, sw uh, what the hell is that movie that everybody references? Anyways, the the where Freaky Spock Friday, Freaky Friday episode. Yeah, they had that that one happen. So um, uh, how can you not remember an epic Lindsay Lohan uh, film, which was actually no, a no, remake no, no, no. of an it's a remake? One. Yeah, I was gonna say I like the Lindsay Lohan <laughs> version. But in any case, uh, they had one the previous season. It worked, and then I and it, to have two this. Bugs, bugs me as well but i'm glad others have enjoyed it personally by far my, my least favorite strange I mean, new world it, episode and one of my least favorite star trek episodes it's not like i'm going to be clamoring to go rewatch it i saw it <laughs> once and that's fine enough for me but i think fine one of the additional things last thing i'll say about it is that it is in the penultimate slot for the season it's ah. like um it might have worked better earlier on might have resonated with fans like you and me, Stephen, if it was separated from the finale a little bit more. But last thing I'll say about it. But we'd love to know your thoughts. Come on over to our Discord. There's a lot of people who are enjoying it. Uh, and you can come on over a lot of chat in our spoiler channel. You can check that out at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And Chris Farrell, I believe he said that he now has a new Klingon costume in his uh, his closet now after that past episode. I don't even have a single Klingon costume, nor do I speak Klingon. <laughs> All right. little trivia from the episode. I know that was the last time, but it, since you went Klingon, did you notice the set? Did you notice what the set was from? It looked like it was filmed in front of a large TV screen that looked very cheap. That's what I thought it was from. 
it was the hull of the ship from Picard. Of course it was. Makes sense. You mean the Enterprise? <laughs> no. The Serena. The Serena. Serena, yeah. Well, there you go. Good, good, good fun fact. <laughs> so that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for episode number 404 of the official gonna geek show i'm steven saying i literally literally almost watched the lower decks episode to bleach my brain after this week msp saying that those old scientists would have been great and this is the last time you'll see this on the gonna geek show <laughs> just go watch babylon 5 that's what i say I will put that on my list. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next show. 